Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. Well, it is Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Hopefully everyone is staying home. If you are someone like me that has to work this week, you are in a controlled environment, which I will be at the Mohegan Sun. Other than that, stay in your home with your immediate family or your extended family that lives with you because we got to get through this. We got to mask up. We got to get through this. That's my two cents soapbox for now. That's number one. Number two, please, please everyone be flexible. There are going to be changes. There are going to be games that are scheduled that are not going to happen. And that's just a fact. And we cannot be negative about it. We have to be positive because that's just what it's going to be. And coaches, administrators, media, officials are just going to have to go with the flow and accept and be thankful every game that we get here in the non-conference and when the conference starts up in December and into early January. And let me address something else, okay? I don't need to name names because I don't want to get in Twitter fights, but here's the reality. The reality is college basketball coaches, college football coaches, anyone in sports, they're not doctors. None of us are. So let's not play one on social media or in any post-game comments, because we don't know. Second thing, planning an NCAA tournament is a massive undertaking. Massive, okay? You cannot understate how big an undertaking this is. You cannot just flip a switch. Moving the NCAA tournament to later in the spring, which was discussed, was met with the right resistance, which is A, if you're going to hold it in one site, which is the right decision. We talked about that last week. It is the right decision. You've got to hold it in one location because you cannot deal with 13 other states and their different health protocols. You can't. It's not going to work. Number two, you have to deal with your television partners, CBS and Turner. CBS televises the Masters. We're going to assume that those events are going on as scheduled in April. Turner will deal with the NBA in the spring. They're not going to have all these windows all over the time. Okay. Number three, your host city, the final four, which you can't just move to some other place on short notice. Indianapolis 500 happens the last two weekends of May. It's got hotel issues. You can't put a burden like that on a host city. You need to have one government you're dealing with, one state government, I should say. In the month of December, as much as there have been cancellations already, there will be no students on campus. So you might be helped by getting these games in. The NCAA and its television partners cannot plan on an NCAA tournament with a vaccine. You have to plan that the vaccine will not be available for this tournament. End of story. So let's stop with that, stir in the pot about waiting for the vaccine to have the NCAA tournament. Not happening. 
Let's enjoy and embrace the games we're getting. And we'll wish everyone that has contracted COVID inside and outside this sport, obviously, our very best, a speedy recovery. It's a horrific, horrific virus that has caused mass destruction, essentially, to human life, to the economy across the globe. So let's just celebrate that we're getting any of this right now. Okay? Let's be realistic. And let's get to our podcast. Olivier Saar, transfer from Wake Forest to Kentucky, be a major factor. He'll join me. For Cats Ranks, my All-Americans, first team and second team. Marcus Garrett from Kansas, Naismith Defensive Player of the Year, and Bill Self, they'll join me. And March Chadness looking at the top games that we know or hope are going to happen this week. Let's get to Olivier Saar from Kentucky. And now joining me here are March Madness, Olivier Saar from Kentucky, formerly of Wake Forest. And Olivier, uh, we still had to wait to see to make sure you got that waiver. And I'm just curious, first off, how anxious were you about whether or not it was going to come through for you? I was confident, you know, to uh, talk to Coach Kyle a lot during the process. And he was, he was confident. We knew it would take a long time. Not going to lie, I had some moments where I was questioning myself where I didn't know really what was going to happen, but we finally heard about it and now it's official, so it's a relief. So you had so many options, so many different places you could have gone. You were highly coveted. Why did Kentucky make the most sense for you? First of all, the way they wanted to develop my game, how professional their approach is, how close to the players and how this program would help me in a way as much as I would help them. So look, this is an unprecedented year in all our lifetimes. None of us have experienced this. Um, what's it been like to come to a program that you're not familiar with, teammates that you didn't know, and try to blend in and meet people when you're really not supposed to be that close to people and you're just trying to you know, deal with these crazy guardrails that we all have to have? That can be scary thinking about it, but honestly, I mean, it was amazing. I mean, the... We're all new guys, so I guess in a way it's easier for us. You know, you everybody has to get close to everybody, learn everybody, and and I think right now we're a really close team. We enjoy being around each other. We have fun at practice. I mean, everybody's competitive. It's it's an amazing experience so far. So you're new to Kentucky, but you're not new to college basketball. You know how much experience matters. Um, this is going to be, as I said, a season like no other. The responsibility off the court may be more important than what happens on the court to ensure that you stay on the court by how everyone handles things. You know, how much do you feel some of that leadership responsibility to make sure that everyone's doing the right thing, you know, to ensure that you guys have a season? Definitely, definitely. That's something that Coach talks a lot, you know, making sure that we do the right thing off the court. And I think that's something that the older guys of the group, like Keon or uh, Davion or myself, have, you know, like a role to ha- like uh, hold everybody to a high standard, you know, because we are obviously want to play. We don't want to be out or anything. But I think the setup for us is actually like perfect. All we got to do is get to our room, go back to the gym, which is like right here. So it's really convenient. It's really easy for us to really do our job. And, and everybody is, a, is being a great leader at that. Yeah, I mean, you've got almost like your own bubble there, which is obviously great. So I, I've said this before to your peers. It's hard. You know, I'm, we're sort of in our own little bubbles. I'm not there. I can't see it. So help me out. Uh, obviously, very talented freshman class uh, led by at least headliners, B.J. Boston, Terrence Clark. I know there are others. 
Uh, what are you seeing on the court that gives you so much optimism that this team can compete for a Final Four? We fight both hands of the floor, whether it's on defense, offense. We fight. We share the ball. We can block shots. We're going fast in transition, communicate more and more on defense. It's just exciting to be on part of that team, really. The way we share the ball, I mean, it's just amazing to be on the court. And what are you seeing in terms of the way in which some of those freshmen can be productive? A lot of people talk about how good they are offensively. And, I mean, they are, obviously, talented all across the board. But defensively, I think people might not expect what we're going to bring every night on the court. I mean, we got a lot of length and a lot of smart guys on the court that knows where to be, when to be, and, and we're getting better at it every day. So that energy is going to have to come from you guys because it's going to be limited seating at Rupp and, and certainly when you go on the road and some places may not have any fans. What's that going to be like to experience certainly earlier in the season? It doesn't matter. As long as we can play, we got referees, scoreboard, five guys on the court and everybody else on the team. I mean, it doesn't matter, fans or not fans. Obviously, it would be great to experience that. But at that point, it's just really being on the court, being able to play, being able to win games and win that championship. All right, Cal is, Coach Cal, very vocal, very animated. Uh, how has he adapted to having to wear a mask? <laughs> it's been hard for him, you know. Got to keep it on, but uh, he's got a mic. He's got a mic on him at all, at all times so we can hear him on the speakers during practice, so it's easy for us. But he doesn't really need it. He's, he's okay. He's doing good for that. <laughs> uh, and lastly, I know you're not one-dimensional, and it's hard to experience other parts of life during this time, but what are your other interests that you have been able to, or at least would like to at some point, be re-engaged in that's off the court? I think a lot of people have seen the picture during the offseason. Uh, I like to go fishing. So, Well, that's a socially distanced sport. It is. It is. But right now, right now is not the time, you know, but definitely enjoy being outside, being outdoors, just being able to get out of all that crazy stuff going on. But it's time for the season and, and we're ready to take on. Well, Olivier, I appreciate the time. Thrilled that you are eligible to play right away at Kentucky. And I don't know the Wildcats will have, once again, a title-type season. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Andy Katz, that guy will rank his wife's dinners. He'll rank anything. Andy Katz here for Katz Ranks with March Madness, looking at my top 10 All-Americans. Let's count down from 10 to 1. So this is essentially the second team going from 10 to 6. At number 10, Trace Jackson Davis from Indiana. I think he's going to have a banner sophomore season, will be a first-team All-Big Ten selection, and will help Indiana advance to the NCAA tournament. At number 9, Sam Hauser from Virginia, the transfer Marquette. He will answer the question about Virginia's offense. He'll score for them. That was an issue last season. He'll be the difference. At number 8, Colin Gillespie from Villanova. Now, this was tough to choose Gillespie over Marcus Zagorowski from Creighton because Zagorowski could be the Big East player of the year. But I believe more in Villanova, and I think Gillespie will help Villanova win the Big East. And if you win the Big East, you're a first-team All-American player like Colin Gillespie. At number seven, from the number one team in the country and my favorite right now to win the national championship, Corey Kispert from Gonzaga. He's Mr. Everything, Mr. Glue Guy. He'll deliver for the Zags. At number six, Marcus Garrett from Kansas. The reigning Naismith Defensive Player of the Year could win it again. He'll be asked to do a little bit more for the Jayhawks, 
and I think he can. He'll stay in his lane for the most part, but he'll have to score a little bit more. All right, so that is your 10 to six, your second team. Here's your first team. At number five, Jared Butler from Baylor, the preseason Big 12 Player of the Year. He will help the Baylor Bears win the Big 12 and compete for a national championship. At number four, Remy Martin from Arizona State. He'll be a first-team All-American in my mind and help Arizona State potentially nudge out UCLA for the Pac-12 title. At number three, the best freshman in the country, maybe the best player, possibly the number one pick in 2021, Kate Cunningham from Oklahoma State, who, by the way, will push Jared Butler and Marcus Garrett for Big 12 Player of the Year. At number two, Io DeSumo from Illinois. He'll push our number one player here for Big 10 Player of the Year. He'll help Illinois get into the NCAA tournament, and I think reach the Final Four. Io DeSumo at number two. And at number one, preseason Player of the Year in the Big Ten and nationally, Luca Garza. A lot of pressure on Garza, but he can deliver. He can score well over 20 points a game. He's become a much better passer. He can defend now at a much higher clip. Basketball IQ's off the charts. He's become a great leader, more vocal. So he's number one. Preseason National Player of the Year, first team All-American. And that is your Cats Ranks top 10 All-American candidates here in the preseason. And now joining me here in March Madness, Bill Self, the Hall of Famer, head coach from Kansas, and Marcus Garrett, the reigning Naismith Defensive Player of the Year. So, Marcus, I'll start with you. What do you got to do to win that award again? Um, I got to win. I got to come out and lead my team and win games, I think. Well, Bill, what are the chances that he could be a two-time winner? Well, I think that's a challenge that he has to take. I mean, he's certainly not going to sneak up on anybody defensively. And I know there'll be game plans and, you know, to try to eliminate his effectiveness and those sorts of things. And I agree with Mark 100%. I think individual honors obviously go to the deserving. But when you get the deserving, a lot of times winning is what separates them. And last year we won at a pretty high clip. And I think that's it's a must for anybody that's going to be considered for uh, national honors. It's probably in their best interest for their team to do well. So one thing that I think probably needs to be said is that as well as you were defensively, you had Yodoka Azubuki behind you too. And I know that means it'll be a little bit different because you could gamble more with him behind you. How, how does that change your mindset? Well, I, th- I think Marcus would be the first to agree with this. Uh, Marcus was the best defender, but Doak may have been the second best defender in America. I mean, not only could he defend a ball screen, not only could he protect the paint, protect the rim. I've never been around anybody that wasn't challenged as much because of that ability. Now, I know there's been other players in college like that, but I mean, people had the game plan for Doak. And so you're exactly right. Marcus could could gamble and miss a little bit and then not make make the defense pay because Doak could cover up for some mistakes. So uh, I think we got guys capable of plugging the hole, but I don't think that we're going to be the same team because you can't replace Doak defensively. But on the flip side, we may could become a little better offensively in some ways. And so it'll be a little give and take, but our perimeter better be real good. So that way we don't put our big in the positions to have to cover for them near as much. All right. So Marcus, what's your vantage point on not having Doak behind you? Um, yeah, it's definitely different. Um, just knowing that I could just go out there and basically gamble anytime because I knew he was going to protect the rim. And just knowing this year that I bet I probably got to lock in a little more defensively, less on a gamble just because he's not back there. So, Bill, this is going to be a different team. I mean, this happens to you a lot, obviously, with the, the kind of talent you've had come in there. 
So we've focused on defense first. Offensively, how much different will it look and where will some of the productivity come from? Well, I, th- I think we're going to be balanced. You know, you know, last year, for us to be as good as we were, you know, Devon needed to get 18 a game, Devon Dotson. And he had an unbelievable year. Mark would definitely agree with that. I think this year's team uh, will be more balanced. I think we'll, we'll have the ball in Marcus's hands a lot more to make the decision or make the pass to finish the plays, where last year it wasn't as much. And I think that will help us. I think that we got more guys on the perimeter that are capable and confident to make shots this year, more so than in the past. And then David McCormick has been a very pleasant surprise on his ability to score the ball from the pivot position. And we've always played through our bigs, you know, uh, even if we're playing four round one. So I don't know that we'll be more efficient because we were pretty efficient last year. I don't don't know if that's been determined yet, but uh, I think we can get points on the board. I, I think the big key for us is can we, you know, make 35%, 36% of our threes. If we do that, we'll be good offensively. So Marcus, this all sounds great, but for all this to happen, players and staff are going to have to make even more sacrifices of making sure that your groups are small, you do what you're supposed to do now more than ever. Um, What's life been like for you as a player going through this fall to ensure that we have a season? Uh, It's definitely been different, but I think it kind of helped our team because we just around each other a lot more now knowing that we basically just can't be around a lot of people. We just always around each other, just laughing and bonding. So, Bill, what's it been like for you to try to shape a newer group uh, with a lot of new pieces in a very, very different fashion? I think it's been good. I I agree with Marcus. I mean, our guys have been great. They've been tense. Uh, We don't always play to a 10 level, but as far as try level and commitment and discipline so far, knock on wood, we've been good. And I've told them all along, we, we know that's very fragile. You can do everything right and still be tested positive or whatnot. And, and, uh, but we just got to eliminate as, as, as much of the, the opportunities to be exposed as possible. It's been different. The thing that I think has been most different, and I don't know if Marcus agrees with this, is we've got like a newcomer, Tyon Grant Foster, who is good. I mean, there's no question about that. But not having the summer – I think really put him back in a position that if he had the summer, he would be ready to take off right now. I don't know if Marcus feels the same way. And just little things like that, that that maybe put some individuals a little bit behind just because they haven't had the same exposure or the same time to kind of, you know, get used to things as what others had. So I do think early this season, the experienced teams will have an advantage. Now, I didn't mean they're going to be the best teams, but the experienced teams may have a little bit of advantage just because we didn't have the summer. All right, Marcus, what's it like to have the coaching staff, notably the Hall of Famer here on our screen, uh, be a bit muffled uh, in practice where maybe they can't vocalize as loud as they have in the past? Uh, it's probably a good thing that you probably going to get to hear everything that they say, but I feel like it's still easier for us to communicate. I feel like we, we're still able to communicate with each other and get our points across. And, Bill, the logistics of a game, masks, officials, the way they communicate, they're going to have to be masked when they communicate. Uh, benches will be spread out. Um, you know, Fog Allen's not going to be the same. I don't know exactly how many you can get in, but certainly won't be the same, uh, certainly on the road. Um, how, how do you think the logistics of actual game management will go? Well, right now we're looking at 10% at home games. I think we're starting off in Fort Myers, and I think they're looking at like 100 or 200 sets of two. So maybe three or 400 people at the game. I think in Indy, in the Champions Classic, I think we're looking at no fans. So it's going to be different. 
I think the one thing, Andy, that, that I can do to help our guys, and I hope Mark would agree with this, whatever happens through this COVID stuff, no matter what, I don't want my players to ever sense I'm frustrated because this is going to be a season in which whoever can roll with it, whoever can say, okay, we're team travel and we always have a room set up. Well, now the, the hotels won't allow you to, to come unless you guarantee the food because of the, the great chance of a cancellation. Well, we're not going to guarantee the food, you know, uh, with 30 people or whatever. So little things like, okay, we'll all go out and eat our meals for pregame meal. Or we, you know, just little things like that, that are very minor. I don't think that we should even let that be a, a gnat on our back. I, I think we got to be able to roll with all those things and, and uh, roll with guys missing practice, roll with not having our full complement of players, roll with whatever. And don't, don't get too emotional especially early on, on things that probably won't matter in the end, even though we all see them as mattering when we're going through it. And lastly, Marcus, I'm sure the appreciation for being able to play in the tournament, that kind of stage, you guys didn't get a chance to play for it. No one did last year. A couple of years ago, you did. How much has that been driving this group to get back to that? Uh, I feel like it's been driving us a lot with guys like me, Ochai, Mitch, and um, David returning, I feel like we felt like we missed out on the opportunity and it's like basically our duty to go back and try to go get it again. Well, Marcus and, and, and Bill appreciate it. Stay safe and uh, can't wait to see you guys on the court and hopefully what will be a full season. You'll be watching this probably from a television yes. though. Isn't that right? <laughs> yes. Who knows if I can be a person I'd like to at some point. Who knows? So, all right, Andy, take care. Thank you. Thank you. And now it's time for March Chadness with Chad Acock from Turner Sports. And uh, as crazy as it sounds, Chad, there are going to be games this holiday week. But you know what? I just wish everyone would just take a breath, relax. We're in the middle of a pandemic and games are going to change. And we've already seen that right before we started taping. Teams are in, they're out, various events. And we just have to just accept that we're going to have this happen, certainly in the first month of the season before we get into conference play in earnest. And look, any good games we get, I think we should be thankful for in this Thanksgiving week. So go ahead. I'm thankful that hopefully all these games happen. That's right, Andy. Yeah, there's 350 teams that play college basketball. And, you know, like you said, we will have some teams that have games postponed. But uh, let's kick it off this week. And not to take anything away from the uh, opening day of, of Wednesday, but I think Thursday is really the first game I've got kind of penciled uh, on my calendar. It's Kansas versus Gonzaga, number six versus number one in the Fort Myers tip-off. Uh, this is two teams that lose, you know, key contributors from last year, Devon Dotson, Azabuki uh, on the Kansas side, and then on the Gonzaga side, Killian Tilly uh, and uh, Petrusev. So, you know, both teams lose some, but they also have some really strong returning talent and some new talent. Uh, Andy, how do you see this loaded matchup shaking out? Well, it's crazy. Kansas is the underdog here in terms of the team not expected to win. Gonzaga comes in as the number one team in the country, uh, and there's pressure on them to deliver uh, because they have managed the early season pandemic well. Uh, they've been practicing for quite some time. They've got veteran players. Uh, they are ready to go and ready to prove that this schedule they put together on the fly, this game did not exist a few weeks ago. And it's a top 10 game. So, uh, look, I, I think the pressure's on the Zags, but they can handle it. 
And I just think they're, they're more ready for this game than Kansas at this juncture. The big question will be Suggs versus Garrett. I'll be very interested to watch that backcourt matchup because, you know, a lot of hype with Jalen Suggs coming in. How does he go against arguably the best offensive perimeter player last season because he won the Naismith Award? Uh, up front, the advantage is to Gonzaga. Last season, it would have been to Kansas with Azubuke. Uh, so I think Gonzaga has the advantage. Let's see if they can answer it. Yeah, I like that. Um, that will be a fun matchup. Like you said, the veteran defensive guy versus the talented freshman. But I think Gonzaga might have some other mismatch they want to kind of uh, exploit, maybe with Drew Timmy. But let's look ahead. You've got another game with Gonzaga on Friday, and that's actually an 11 a.m. tip Eastern, Gonzaga and Auburn. So both teams will play the day before, and then they'll turn right back around and play Friday. Auburn actually plays St. Joe's on Thursday. But one thing that's really key about this matchup is we're not sure if Sharif Cooper will be playing, but I'm not really sure it makes a big difference. I personally think the Zags will win comfortably. What about you? Well, the reason I wanted to add this game was because I think this is a classic case of a gut check. Win or lose what happens with Kansas the night before, this is the kind of game Gonzaga needs to win. This is the kind of game that everyone will be watching. What do they do with an Auburn team that's depleted, uh, that we already know has given themselves a self-imposed uh, postseason ban, so not as much to play for. But this is the kind of game, if you are a champion, you win. You don't have a letdown. And that's what I'll be watching uh, because I think regardless of win or lose against Kansas, it's going to be a high, high, intense game. So how do they handle that next day? And this is the kind of game they got to win. I like that. Looking at the Gonzaga mentality versus the actual uh, win-loss performance. I like that. Later that day, you've got Boise State and number 17 Houston in the Southwest Showcase. This game is in Houston. Boise State heard their man Jessup's name called during the NBA draft last week. This week, they will turn to Derek Austin Jr. Uh, and hopefully, a, you know, potential resume building game against the Cougars. Who do you like to win this one? Uh, I like Houston, but I think with Boise State, uh, this is going to be another gut check. You know, they were searching for games after everything sort of blew up on them in Florida. They got a really good game here with this Houston game. And I think this will be a really interesting matchup. You got Quentin Grimes from Houston against Derek Austin Jr., among many, Caleb Mills from Houston. But, you know, Houston, I think, is a little bit more experienced for a game like this. But if Boise State could pull off an upset, it would be uh, just such a huge advantage for them going into the Mountain West if they've got a game like this on their resume because it's going to be very hard for Mountain West Conference teams to get these kind of games early. Yeah, I agree. This might be one of their only chances because who knows what games will be postponed or canceled or uh, what other opportunities they'll have to boost their numbers. Uh, but I do agree Mills, Grimes, and Giroux will probably be too much. But uh, let's look at the next matchup. Number 22, UCLA against Pepperdine. And on paper, if you just hear the school names, you would think UCLA, obvious winner here. They've got almost everybody back. Uh, but Pepperdine does have a man by the name of Mr. Colby Ross. And uh, usually, you know, if you're picking an upset, it helps if you have the best player on the floor. And, you know, with all respect to Chris Smith, I think it's Colby Ross for me. Do we have any kind of upset chance here with Pepperdine? We definitely have a chance. Uh, whether or not it happens, that's another question. But I love this matchup. You know, Pepperdine had opportunities last year, weren't able to convert and lost them all. They had multiple chances early in the season. This is, again, for Pepperdine. They've got chances. They This is another thing that sort of just popped up a couple weeks ago in terms of creating this matchup. And if Pepperdine can steal this game against UCLA, that's going to do 
wonders for their resume going forward. Uh, obviously, they you know if they could steal a game against Gonzaga once they get in the WCC, that would be huge. But I like UCLA. I like their experience. You know, they're going to be able to really try to throttle Kobe Ross. And even if they can't, then someone else is going to need to help Pepperdine win this game. I think it's going to be a really close game, but I like UCLA late because of their defense. Yeah, probably a good pick. You know, I mentioned Pepperdine might have the best player on the floor, but UCLA might have the next three, four, five best players on the floor. So, uh, yeah, uh, Colby Ross will have his hands full, but it should be a good game either way. Let's move to Sunday. Richmond at Kentucky. Another game where just on paper you assume Kentucky would be the winner, but looking deeper may not be the case. This will be the third game in five days for each side. We've talked about uh, the veterans of Richmond in the past, a lot of seniors returning. But Kentucky, they do have two incredibly talented wings in B.J. Boston and Terrence Clark. Which side are you taking here? It's hard to pick against Kentucky at home, fans or no fans. But this is a golden opportunity, Grant Golden opportunity, for Richmond uh, to get a a win like this. If you get a win against Kentucky, that's going to have shelf life for the rest of the season for Richmond. Can they pull it off? We'll see. I'm going to lean Kentucky. But again, I think this is going to be a game that's going to go late possession for the Wildcats, Richmond, the more experienced team, wouldn't be shocked at all if they stole this one in Lexington. But I, it's hard for me to pick against Kentucky. Yeah, no doubt. For the upset to happen, a lot of things have to go right. But there are several things in Richmond's favor. They're going to have an all-senior starting five. Rupp won't be sold out because of the fan restrictions. So there is a little bit of an edge there with Richmond to potentially pull off the upset. But right, <laughs> how do you pick against Kentucky at home, especially a top 10 Kentucky team? Let's look ahead to Houston and Texas Tech. This is a, a top 20 matchup, number 17 Houston, number 14 Texas Tech, but the game will be in Fort Worth uh, as part of that Southwest Showcase. Texas Tech fans, obviously ecstatic about the season now that Mac McClung is finally eligible, but will Houston be too much for them? What do you think, Andy? Well, uh, I think coming off of their previous game against Boise, um, you know, they're going to get pushed. Texas Tech has gotten through their COVID situation much earlier in the uh, offseason. I think they're going to be ready to go. Mac McClung is eligible. Marco Santos Silva, I think, is going to be a, a, a you know just absolute anchor for them in the Big 12. I like Texas Tech in this game. Texas Tech, as you know, is one of my teams that I think could make a Final Four run. I'm going with the Red Raiders. All right, so you got Houston beating Boise, but then losing to Texas Tech. Now let's look ahead uh, to the Maui Invitational not being played in Maui. (laughs) It's being played in Asheville, North Carolina. The one matchup you really like here, Andy, is Indiana and Providence. Tell us why. Well, I'm really high in Indiana. Trace Jackson Davis, one of my All-Americans. And uh, I I just have a good feeling they've got experience in the backcourt with uh, Rob Finnessy and Al Durham. Um, Race Thompson, Joey Brunk add to Jackson Davis with a really solid front line for Providence. I think they're going to be really good going forward. AJ Reeves, David Duke, Jared Bynum, but that's a new point guard. Nate Watson's healthy inside. And I think the point guard situation, even though he sat out last season, it's going to take some time to get used to, um, you know, running the show. Uh, it's been a year off since uh, redshirting from uh, transferring from St. Joe's, but I think it's gonna be a very competitive game, but I like Indiana to pull it off. All right, so you've got Indiana winning that game. Let's just look at the whole bracket. So at the top half of the bracket, you've got Texas and Davidson and then that Indiana-Providence matchup. The bottom side, you've got UNC, UNLV, Stanford, and Alabama. How do you see the rest of this bracket shaking out? It's a really good field. I mean, among many fields that have been sort of upended, this one so far, knock on wood, has stayed, as we're taping, stayed true. 
I think it could go in a number of different ways. Stanford's good enough to get through it. A Providence, if they were to beat Indiana, good enough to get through it. Alabama, sneaky good with John Petty. But Carolina with Garrison Brooks, Caleb Love, they're playing in Asheville, even though they're not going to have some dominant crowd. You know, they're going to have a lot to prove after what happened last season, finishing near the bottom of the ACC. So I will jump ahead here. I think we could get a blue blood type of final. Um, but uh, I, I think we're going to have Indiana versus North Carolina in the final. And I'm going with Indiana. Wow. The Hoosiers. I got to stay true. Look, I like Carolina a lot, but Indiana is my sleeper team in the Big Ten. And I think they make their mark over these three days in Asheville, North Carolina, to give them the momentum going forward into the Big Ten. Yeah, it's an interesting pick. I mean, Trace Jackson Davis could go up against UNC's front line. So that is UNC's strong point. I could see the winner of Indiana, Texas, really giving UNC a run for it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot about Texas there for a moment. Yeah, you got Jericho Sims and Greg Brown. They could also match up well with UNC's front court. So that'll be fun. Yeah, I don't want to, I do not want to dismiss Texas. They are more than capable of getting out of this tournament with a title as well. But I'm going with Indiana, Carolina. I love it. So there's your week one picks. We'll see how many of these games hopefully stay scheduled and how many of them you can get right. Appreciate it, Chad. Stay safe. You too. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. As always, thank you to our Turner Sports team, Chad Acock, Abby Stoltz, Mike Kaplan, Sean Bartley, and the entire NCAA.com team that helps with all our social engagement on this podcast. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Stay safe, and we'll talk again next week.